0: You're reading this, it's too late. The Secret Series by Pseudonymous Bosch, Book 2, Chapter 30. And if you've been reading along with us, you know that this book is weird and it counts backwards. All right, so we're going from 30 all the way back down to one. Hardly, the ship tacked to the left and leaned pre- precipitously. Cass and Max Ernest grabbed each other, laughing as a spray of water hit them in the face. Around them, a crew hoisted and foisted sails, whipped in the wind. They caught and went taut, and everything in the ship's brass fittings flared in the sun. "'Don't worry. This ship is sound,' their host shouted their host, leading them into a wooden deck so swabbed and polished that it shined like glass. She may be two hundred years old, but she is armed with all the latest technology. "'We're not worried,' Kauss shouted back. "'How could they be? The ship was glorious. It was glorious to behold.' And yet, she couldn't help noticing that she couldn't help feeling this man so closely resembled Dr. L. It was unnerving. He had the same perfect silver hair that had frozen in time, like the kind of eternal wind. The same perfect tan skin. The same perfect white teeth that made him look like a photograph rather than a person. The same exact, distinctively indistinctive accent. Do you think he wears white gloves, Peyton? Peyton. Ah, she's falling asleep. How was it that Cassa's imagination? Pietro hadn't resembled his brother in the least. Usually she'd pictured a long, snowy beard, blinking eyes, and a wizard's cloak or something, a tuxedo, a top hat. Occasionally she'd imagine an old adventurer in a, in a pith helmet, but never him, never this. She shook off the thought. Here at last was her adventure, the one she'd been waiting for for so long. Enjoy it, she told herself. Cassandra, Max Ernest, can you tighten this line for me? Their host asks. That's a winch. Can you you crank it this way? Okay, as long as he doesn't have a glove, you know it's Luciano. Or Luciano. Luciano? I don't freaking know. Cass and Max Ernest, can you tighten this for me? He started the job for it and then said, I've got to get something below. Be back in a minute. And he headed away. Oh my God, if he is really Dr. L and he brings up the golden lady, I'm going to be freaked out. Thrilled to be given a task, Cass tossed her backpack aside and joined hands with Max Ernest. Together they began tightening the line to the ship's rearmost sail. And just a heads up, why is he looking so young like Dr. L if he's a normal person and never took the elixirs like them? Because he should look like an old man if he was just a normal kid that never took the elixirs. So that's something to think about. And Peyton's not even listening to me. And then suddenly the line went slack. Before they knew it, knew what was happening, the rope was looped around them and they were pulled off of their feet. They fell together on the hardwood deck and slid across the polished surface. Hey, said Cass. Ow said Max Ernest. Roughly a deck hand began to tie Cass uh t- Cass and Max Ernest to each other back to back. What are you doing? Cass cried. Pietro, what are you doing? Stop that. That hurts protested Max Ernest. You won't struggle if you know it's good for you, threatened the deck hand. He tied his hands together for good measure, then left them lying on the deck. You think this is a test to see like if how we act if we're captured? asked Cass, biting back the tears. Maybe, unless oh no, look, said Max Ernest, nodded up towards his nose. From their vantage point, they could see for the first time the flag flapping in the wind on the top of the boat's tallest mast. Wish I could tell you that the flag it was the flag of the Tersus Society. Or, for that matter, the flag of the Royal Navy or the Merchant Marine, or even that, the skull of a crossbones of a pirate ship would have been preferable to the reality. Alas, the flag was none of those things. Rather, it showed a white sun emblazoned on a black background. The flag of the midnight sun. Although tied back to back and unable to see each other, and Ernest shared the same expression of despair. They were prisoners again. And nobody, not even the Tercis Society, knew. What are those? Minutes later, two skeletally skinny girl, girls, twins, hovered over Cass and Max Ernest, eyeing the ship's new captives with lazy curiosity. Aside from their different colored hair, one was blonde with pink streaks, the other brown with purple streaks, the different colored bikinis. One was pink with purple polka dots, the other was purple with pink polka dots. They looked nearly identical. Judging by their faces, they may have been about sixteen or seventeen, but I wouldn't try to guess their real ages. They were, after all, part of the midnight sun. As Max Ernest, Ernest could tell immediately by the gloves on their hands. "'Those what?' asked the purple one. "'Them!' said the pinker one, pointing with the curl, the curl of her toe. She moved with an odd jerkiness, as if she were a marionette on a string." Oh those, said the purpler one. Yeah, elf ears and electro hair, said the pinker one. Only now did Cass and Max Ernest realize that they it was they who were being speaking about being spoken about in the third person. I'm Cass, this is Max Ernest, said Cass, forcing herself to speak boldly. There's a terrible mistake. Please could you Elf is Cass, Electro Max Ernest, said, said the purpler one, ignoring Cass. Oh, well, what's that then? I just told you, it's a Cass. No, that, that thing, said the pinker one. She pointed her toe at Cass's sock monster hanging from Cass's backpack. A few feet out of Cass's reach. Oh, that, that's cute. I so want it. Well, I so want it more. But you said you didn't know what it was. Neither do you. So? So there. Hey, that's my sock monster and you can both have him. If you untie us, said Cass desperately, I'll make you another one. The girls stared at Cass as she levitated. The girls stared at Cass as if she just levitated or turned into a frog. No way. I think they told us to do some things, said the purpler one. No way, I'm taking that thing just to show it a lesson. No way, I'm taking it. They both lunged for Cass's sock monster and slammed into each other, their tiny bodies toppled on the ground on top of Cass and Max Ernest. Their suntan skin was unexpectedly clammy and cold and made Cass and Max Ernest's skin grow cold in turn. It's mine! No, it's mine! said the ghoulish girls, each pulling one of their sock monster's tennis shoe tongues trying ears tying to the sock monster away from the other. Hey, leave us. I mean them. I mean it alone, said Max Ernest, sounding unusually brave and forceful, if a little confused. Having fun, children, an icy voice asked that would unmistakably be to readers to my first book. But that, that would, I think, send chills down the spines of an unlucky enough to hear it. Even the two sisters seemed to feel it. They shrink away from Cass and Max Ernest, leaving the sock muster lying on the deck. In contrast, oh, yes, I'm afraid the voice belongs to Miss Mavius. Mm-hmm. On, in, the, in contrast to the loud, clacking sisters, she walked towards Max and cast Ernest with almost pre turned natural calm. Although dressed for the sea in a gleaming white, Miss Mavius seemed to carry with her a kind of darkness. No friend of the sun, she exposed hardly a speck of skin to the elements. To shade her face, she wore a hat with the brim so broad she appeared to be sprouting wings. To shield her eyes, she wore a pair of mirror sunglasses, so enormous that they gave her head a look of the space of an alien, or maybe a gigantic fly, and to cover her ancient claw-like hands. The sight of Cass and Max Ernest remembered with such horror. She wore a long white glove that made her arms like limbs of an albino-praying mantis. Miss Mavius herself, if you could see only a mouth, admittedly an exquisitely beautiful and ever more youthful-looking mouth, and even that she'd covered with frosty white lipstick that glittered with an unnatural phosphorescence. Ah, Max Ernest, darling. Oh oh ah Max Ernest, darling, my dear Cassandra cried Miss Mobius, circling her captives so that she could get a better look at both of them. Two happy reunions she raised her cocktail glass ice tinkling in tune with her voice. I wouldn't call it that, Cass thought grimly. I see you've met Romy and Montana's Skeleton. If these were the famous Skeleton sisters, Cass marveled. What a sick joke. Max Ernest had been right months ago when he'd mistakenly referred to them as Skeleton sisters. Had Cass not been tied to an enemy ship far out at sea and been certain to die any moment, she may have laughed. "'I'm afraid I don't see any family resemblance,' said Miss Mavius, as she chuckled dry, dryly. "'Well, have they told you where he is?' asked Dr. L, emerging from the bellow decks. "'Of course it had to have been, not Pietro, who'd welcomed them on the ship.' "'Not yet, darling. I was just getting to it,' Miss Mavius answered. "'How could she have let the awful plastic man convince her he was Pietro?' Cass wondered." True, he and Pietro were twins, but as Cass and Max Ernest well knew, Dr. L had gone to great and even more murderous lengths to stay young. So handsome, even if he wasn't the bearded wizard of her fantasy, Pietro would have to look much older by now. Older and wiser. Older and kinder. Come to think of it, would a Tursus society boat look anything like a shiny ship, or would a Tursus vessel? Cass suddenly felt sure would be a smaller, scrappier, fit for stealthy missions and dangerous adventures this midnight sunship was better fit for a pleasure cruise or maybe just a vision a, a television ad she'd been so desperately so desperate to join the tursis society that she'd be willing to believe anything miss Mavius turned back to cass and max ernest well well what stammered max ernest Well, where is he? asked Miss Mavius, stone-faced. Where's who? asked asked Cass, confused. Pietro? The homunculus fool. The hum-what? asked Max Ernest. The homunculus, I'm warning you, don't play with me. We don't even know what a homunculus is, said Max Ernest. Well, I don't know what it is. What the heck? And if I don't know what it is, I doubt she knows what it is. Not that she doesn't know things that I know, but, you know, this kind of silence. Ma- Mitt Smavius picked up Cassandra's battered sock monster and dangled it in front of them as if she were, if it were a dead mouse. What, pray tell, is this? My sock monster. I made it. I see. And whom was it modeled after? Tell me that. Nobody. He's just made from a sock. Cassian- Cass certainly wasn't about to say it was modeled after a creature of her dreams. "'You expect me to believe "'that this isn't supposed to be a homunculus? "'You think... "'You must think me very dumb.' "'Hey, give that to us. "'Yeah, give it to us,' Romeo Montana, "'who'd perked up as soon as the sock monster was mentioned. "'Miss Mobius eyed them in irritation. "'Don't you girls have a concert to prepare for?' "'She tossed the sock monster to them "'and then chased after it "'like two ungainly puppies after a ball. Cass watched sadly.' "'Now she'd never get her sock monster back. "'You needn't bother pretending,' said Dr. L. "'We know you're members of the Tercis Society now. "'Or have you forgotten how we got you there? "'Forgotten how we got you here?' "'But we're not pretending,' cried Cass. "If, "'If you tell us where the homunculus is, "'we'll give you a life preserver and we'll toss you over, "'and there's a chance, a small chance, that someone will save you. "'Otherwise... Otherwise, our chef is eager to make shark fin soup. But so far, we've been able to catch his tuna, said Miss Mavius. Aww. If you guys don't know what shark fin soup is, it's awful. They capture a shark, and they literally just cut his dorsal fin off, which is the top fin. And so it drowns to death. Awful. And that's all they eat on the whole shark is just the fin. Sad. Messed up. She gestured towards the three deckhand, who were wrestling with an enormous tuna. It thrashed wildly until one of the men slipped its belly with a knife. Guts spilled onto the deck. "'We've been looking for the right bait,' said Dr. L. "'So if you don't tell us, we'll make sure you're dripping with plenty of blood before we drop you in the ocean.'" Cass and Max Ernest gripped each other's hands. "'Do you know sharks smell blood from over a mile away?' Dr. L. continued." "'It's a a unique evolutionary feature. "'They also sense electricity and movement,' said Max Ernest, unable to stop himself. "'They call it shark sense. How about that?' "'Very good,' said Dr. L., not looking like he particularly meant it. "'So try not to splash when you hit the water.' "'Unfortunately, we don't have time for a marine biology lesson,' said Miss Mavius, "'and the midnight sun has been waiting for 500 years for the homunculus to rise. "'We will not wait any longer.' She waved to one of the deck hands chopping up the tuna. "You there, take these kids below." Then she turned back to Cass and Max Ernest. "You destroy our life once," she said with a voice as cold and smoky and unnatural as dry ice. "But with your help, we're going to live forever." Not bothering to wipe the fish guts off his hands, <clears throat> the deck hand grabbed Cass and Max Ernest by their ears and dragged them all the way, dragged them all the way. Past the skeleton sisters who are lying on the chairs in the sun, cast a sock monster perched between them. Well, it looks like they are stuck on a boat and they are prisoners. All right, see you guys tomorrow.